recording, so we may as well Great. start chit-chatting. James is on mute, which doesn't... He's gone on mute. He's <laughs> gone on mute. Oh, God. Hello, healthy people. Hope uh, this finds you all well out there today. Here we are again, the healthcare team from Seek. Today, um, probably no surprise to us all, but COVID has, has created a lot of disruption uh, throughout throughout the world, I guess. But uniquely to us uh, in the healthcare team with our clients, it's it's led to a real change or creation uh, of of role types. So, change in role types and actually completely new roles that have come along. So. We've been spending a fair bit of time with clients trying to discuss uh, how we go about helping them finding these certain people uh, or maybe shifting people that are in their organisation. Um, so, yeah, some of those examples are health concierge, for instance, um, that, that keep popping up. So let's have a chat to the team today. Um, mm. Who am I going to throw to first here, Kyle? Are you sort of yeah. opening up? Well, I mean, I think this came, this came to me first, I reckon, in about November... 2020 of the first time someone said I need to hire XY and I think it was health concierge it was in community health and the idea of this role was um, in community settings like public housing they needed people to be there to help uh, collect groceries or or you know in Victoria here especially in Melbourne we had the situation where a whole public housing unit was locked down so people couldn't even leave their apartments or the apartment building so there was an increase in it and it was a real like we spent an hour i think hour and a half maybe on a zoom talking about how do we and attract them to into these roles it was a really tough one and since then more and more have come up so um uh, health concierge type roles think about when you get off a plane at the airport in some states there's someone there greeting you taking your temperature if you go to the football someone's taking your temperature that's becoming more and more common and so is things like uh, uh, scanning QR codes on entry to um, big buildings, public arenas, and so on and so forth. So these are all new roles, what we would consider a COVID new kind of role that didn't really exist before. And it's very much you need to hire it on skill rather than someone's experience or background, or, or it's a bit harder to advertise and, and, and find those people just off traditional advertising methods. Um, and then there's other ones that are, uh, I guess, disruptions from within roles that already exist. So we've just had a whole year of disrupting the health workforce. We've got nurses that we've plucked out of wards and put into COVID wards and ICU and upskilled and brought back people into the workforce that had semi-retired or retired or were on mat leave or something like that, brought them back into the workforce to try and fill all these needs as, an, as, as they came. And so that disruption again is now continuing because we've got things like vaccine, like vaccination nurse or immunization nurses. Um, and we need to be able to pull them out of a ward, get them onto immunization, but then also backfill the role that was just there. And then another layer or example of, of disruption that I've seen is fit testers. So PPE fit testers. And my understanding, if anyone is watching or listening to this and you've and I've got it wrong, or you've got a different example, please tell us. But my understanding of a role like a fit tester is that they have to be an EN or an RN um, and their job is to walk around the ward and make sure that PPE is being worn properly. And that's a difficult one because you've got people who would be on a career trajectory in nursing as an EN or an RN, having almost the way I see it, you would sort of feel like it's a bit of a step aside to go and do 
that role for a little while, or if not a step aside, you, you, you're a nurse because you like to work on the ward and you like to work with patients, not walk around and tell your friends, or as I refer to it, be that guy, um, walking around and telling them to do their job better or clearer. So there's a, probably a little bit of stigma. There's something to break down there, but that's what we're talking about when we're talking about new roles, um, whether it be you know a COVID specialist nurse, didn't exist before COVID, um, I would say there's going to be more of those sort of health concierge roles, community-based roles, as well as those fit tested PPE roles. It will be ongoing now, that, a lot more focus on wearing PPE properly. So the question is, how do we solve this, right? <laughs> and how do we get around those two different problems? And from a SEEK perspective, I suppose we have a bunch of products to try and get to these people, but they're all kind of different challenges. I don't know, Steph, if you've been talking about or, or looking at... Um, job yeah. ads specifically that's the main way people are going to be doing it but sort of that reactive recruitment in job ads might not be as useful right yeah i mean when you're looking at what kind of ad what ad you put out there for candidates to find you're going to need to think about what are the candidates searching so taking a step back and having a look at well if i'm a candidate and i'm going to find my next role on seek my first point of call might be to look for a health concierge or a fit test. I might not be typing that into SEEK, but maybe thinking about what that current candidate is currently doing and including that role that they're currently doing within your short description or within your content will help you surface to that end candidate a little bit more efficiently than just relying on that newly created role title um, to do all the heavy lifting for you. I think then as well, um, also having a really good think around the classification and the subclassification that you're selecting on SEEK. Maybe thinking about posting it within a classification that's relevant on SEEK to that particular role rather than selecting healthcare other because none of us would recommend you post to that classification. Um, so when you're thinking about the health um, concierge role, maybe that goes within the hospitality and tourism um, classification on SEEK, where when you're looking to advertise for the fit test role that you would, as an example, Kyle, potentially you'd be looking at that nursing um, classification within the healthcare classification on SEEK, just to help you reach a more relevant group of people um, because we don't have the exact classifications to help you in that particular instance. And then I think lastly, when you're thinking about what am I gonna, what, what's this role gonna look like out in market? Just being cognizant of the fact that whatever role you're selecting, within this, um, for this particular job, when you're looking to proactively source that role, there might not be that many candidates that currently exist within talent search um, that are calling themselves fit testers or health concierge. So just thinking about maybe this is the opportunity to look at um, more of a premium talent search um, experience. I'm sure any of the account managers here could set you up with a trial just to see what actually exists on the database at the moment. But that would be when thinking about job ads, those would be my first point of calls, first things to think about um, before actually going and posting on Seek. So kind of like listing out the roles that they could have done or they might yeah. be searching for, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Matt, what do you think about, I know you were thinking about talent search and taking more of a proactive approach to these newly created roles. What do you say? Yeah, absolutely. And as you've, have you quite clearly articulated, I think the big challenge with some of these hybrid or slightly more developed or changed roles is that if, if there isn't a well-formed job title, well, how do you know what to call them? And if there isn't a well-defined subclassification, well, how do you know 
what to put it in. Um, and, and with job ads, typically you're, you are relying on you know, having the right information in your ad that kind of connects with that candidate at the right time and they see the ad and then they engage with it in the appropriate way. So I think where talent search comes into its own very much is that you know, you're being more proactive. So you can dig into that database and look for transferable skills uh, and proactively reach out to these individuals. And, and I think in particular, there's, and again, I'll, I will caveat this with, uh, sometimes this does come down to time and resources, but um, if you do have those prerequisite time and resources, what you can do is you can either use the message function or the access CV function. So the access CV really is, you find someone, you download their, their resume and you've just got an opportunity to jump on the phone, have a conversation, explain to them why you feel they're relevant to this, this role, whether they're even aware of this new role function and, and, and kind of take it from there. Um, that is quite labor intensive and it, it does take a lot of time. So I think the message function is quite good because it just means that you can then almost like create a little bit of a template of, um, you know, we've identified your profile. There's a newly created role that incorporates your experience, but it also includes X, Y, and Z. Would you be willing to have a conversation and, and then you can start to engage them in conversation in, in that way. So, and I think that really does get around this, this need for having a specific job title. And to your point, Steph, it just means that you can then look at those transferable skill sets in aligned industries. And we've talked in the past about hospitality, retail, manufacturing. You know, again, some of those roles like, um, again, I'm probably proving my point here. I wouldn't even know what they're called, but the roles where you're essentially sanitizing a room in a care facility or perhaps you're disinfecting equipment in a gym. You don't necessarily need medical or health experience to do those. And yeah, there, there could be a whole market you're not even aware of that you could be tapping into. So like I said, you can use a job ad um, and by all means post an ad in completely different areas and see what that brings up. But um, again, I think just given that the, if someone works in retail and then specifically searching for you know a health concierge or something i mean the, the, the chance of that happening is is pretty limited so this again talent search just enables you to get on the front foot and and start to drive those conversations a little bit more effectively um another way of doing seems, that sorry matt it almost oh. seems kind of counterintuitive isn't it compared to how we do things now for i'll say low skill or easier to fill roles right where there's mm. not as significant barrier and entry that you have to have a a diploma or a bachelor degree to be able to, you know, do some of these roles mm. to put that much effort in, like you say, it's time intensive to put it in, but, yeah. but, but, the, but it needs the to be quality. Done. It's almost like the quality you'll find the better quality and only engage those people that you think are right rather than just blanket opening it up to everyone. Absolutely. Doing proactive search. Definitely. And probably the one area I didn't touch on was the send job function. I mean, again, if you are short on time, why not create a job ad that is specifically designed to explain this new role type and why it's relevant to a completely different audience and just send that to candidates that you feel have got the, the relevant skill set. I mean, I think this really, it really talks to an education piece. Um, and I know Carl, you had a few, few thoughts on this around really, I suppose, how do you on a broader scale start to educate completely different industries on what opportunities might lie for them within health or perhaps more, more specifically within aged care that they might not even be aware of. So I don't know if I'll just pass the baton to you for, for yeah. to talk through that for a sec. hundred percent, because I think 
it's a, it's awareness. Well, we, you mentioned aged care. One of the recommendations out of the Royal Commission is to make you know do an awareness campaign, better the the understanding, the awareness of the, of the industry. But this is just awareness about a role or a group of roles or a change to careers and career opportunities within healthcare more broadly off the back of COVID. And so I think everyone in the world is very keenly aware that our lives have changed. And so there's an opportunity and people that were displaced out of their jobs during COVID, there's an opportunity for them to now um, step into healthcare and do, and do something that they didn't think probably previously that they actually could do. And so I, I think back to a campaign that I ran in uh, October, maybe a little bit early, August, September, October of 2020 with one of my clients who ran a, a campaign around residential assistance. So that is assistant, multiple of them assistants. It was really successful. It was successful in the sense that a residential assistant is someone in an aged care facility who isn't quite as um, clinically inexperienced or unskilled as a receptionist might be, but isn't a carer or a nurse. So their job would be general kind of duties, food services, some cleaning, some caring, but not quite to the extent that the, the job description would be for a carer or a nurse or a food services person. And so we ran a campaign that was just targeting no one in healthcare. We only targeted retail, customer service, um, manufacturing, um, food assistants. So people that might've worked in a kitchen in a food preparation type role. Um, and we targeted all those by classification and also by relevant keyword and pushed out banner advertising or display advertising. So some people will be familiar with that, some people won't, but it is a type of advertising pretty much created by Google that is designed to build awareness about a product, a thing, a place. You'll see it all around the internet normally. Banner ads, they've got a, tiles, I think they used to be called back in the back in the old days, in the early 2000s. Um, and they uh, and they're super effective because we can target a group and kind of anonymously hit them with messaging that would lead them back to a website, to a list of job ads on Seek, um, however we want to do it. What was really great about this campaign that we ran, though, was because it was skill, we weren't necessarily trying to get residential assistance from somewhere else, from a competitor who's already doing that job. So an example like the, um, the COVID uh, health concierge um, type role, we were just trying to get someone who had the right kind of skills. So they went straight into a skills assessment. So an online skills assessment, they clicked apply, they went straight to the landing page and they completed a skills assessment. And then the recruitment team, all they had to do was pick from the pile of how well they how satisfactorily they completed the skills assessment. So they started by going, this person has all the um, uh, English language skills, all the customer service skills, all the physical ability and requirements of this type of role, and then engage them in the recruitment process. So I thought that was a pretty innovative way to go about building awareness of new types of roles that anyone could do. And it was pretty effective in making sure that they had a pipeline and a funnel of people getting through into this type of role. But it talks to the fact that we're already looking at a shortfall in healthcare, in aged care of people to do these roles. So there's a, there's a part of it people don't necessarily want to because of their perception, incorrect or correct. And the fact that there aren't enough people leaving school and wanting to do roles in caring positions or health positions or nurses and so on and so forth. And there's not enough always positions to get them in from a structural point of view. So it's a bit of future work, which is, if I could make a more elaborate pass the baton to anyone, 
if there's anyone I'm going to ask about future of work, it'll be James Duncan. But we've talked about this before. There's not enough people coming into the industry to fill these roles. Maybe this is a good way of just testing by skill, getting them into the industry, and then they'll they'll see it, they'll feel it and experience it, and then want to actually upskill, become a nurse, and, to, and fill these roles that we know are really, really difficult to do and play a part in the healthcare industry. I don't know. Like I say, I'm not as close to the future of work as James is. So everyone sit back. We've, we've got about... About three hours of listening to the future of work. Settle down. You've you've eaten into my three hours already. Jeez, I've only got three minutes now. But now, I for me, I I think that exactly. I think that that future of work piece is where with healthcare. I thought it was more that digital literacy type healthcare work that you know more clinicians and doctors would be somewhat displaced because you know data and information was diagnosing people quicker and and then obviously you know giving um when you diagnose someone, giving them the treatment they needed. Sorry, that's the word I was looking for, the treatment they needed. So there was a lot of talk of future of work. Some of those, you know, sort of top-end type roles would be somewhat displaced by just just data and research being collected and, and delivered. I think nursing and caring is interesting. I, there was, I don't think there was ever any fear around them being displaced in future of work. But I think what future of work identified was this mapping of skills, understanding what skills were, because people were going to get displaced and, and in certain areas, you're going to be you're going to be short of skills. So therefore you need to move them. And I think maybe one of the challenges with healthcare is that it's such an old industry that they've been in their way the whole time and nurses are nurses, doctors are doctors, physios are physios. Like there's been no difference. Whereas I think uh, even in retail, actually, there's been a real shift in, you know, what roles are. So, so organisations have grappled with new role titles that they just didn't know what to do with. So I think in healthcare, they haven't actually gone through that challenge. And maybe this is presenting a little bit of a challenge there for them. Uh, and I think things like customer service, I, I was reading a Deloitte Future of Work thing not long ago, where customer service was the number one skill that was going to be underutilised in the, in the future or needed in the future. So I just, you know, with these type of roles, you do wonder where those, you know, customers, so digital literacy was another one. And I know a lot of public health systems are going through e-health and that kind of thing, which is really challenging, maybe some of the older nurses. But the other thing that comes to mind is we've had clients say to us that, you know, workforce strategy, that long-winded stuff, we we work better under under emergency, under under this sort of, you know, when there's, can I say shit hit the fan? You know, when when there's a problem, you know, that's when we react our best. When when things are critical, we are at our best. So forward thinking and planning is probably not our niche. So Studying think, the night before the exam is the way yeah, to go. Yeah, well, I guess their 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 jobs are it's emergency. It's it's you know responding under pressure, which I think COVID is really that's what that's their strength in this industry. So I think the forward thinking and and sort of workforce planning pieces they they may need to have a think and map some skills out there just not just in case these things happen, but as things move along and, and evolve, that they, they understand where their skill mix is and then people aren't displaced. And when these emergencies pop up, they can quickly move the right skills into the right areas when they need them. So, so I think what you, what you lot have covered really well from a SEEK perspective, I think on, internally when I look at the organisations themselves, they probably need a bit of time to sit down and just weigh up what their skill mix is, what their skill mapping is. And you know what? I think aged care are trying to do it. You look at that Polyus report into aged care. I think he highlighted that, you know, you know, specifically around personal care workers. What do we do with this, this workforce? How do we move them through? So there's sort of, it's more acute for aged care, but within healthcare, I think it's, it's you know, it's probably something that they don't want to throw away and something they want to look at. So it's probably a, a bigger a bigger issue for healthcare in general, maybe, maybe one that they're not 
you know, not used to doing. And this maybe COVID's taught them a thing or two um, around these type of roles that are just unique or new to them. Um, but yeah, any, any sort of further thoughts on that before we, we wrap up? I think the main takeaway from all this is that there's kind of two groups of, of new roles or disruption. One is a, 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 an entry-level-ish type role that anyone could do, but we're not really sure how to hit them. And then there is roles that need skills, but aren't necessarily desirable or are new types of roles for the industry. And the main thing in both cases, you need to do something different. We always talk about doing something different, but where there's lots of people that could do the role, but you're not really sure how to market to them, you have to kind of go really broad. We always talk about getting the funnel down. It's not about numbers, it's about quality. You kind of have to do the, the numbers thing as opposed to getting the quality. But the other part of it is while we're creating new roles or functions for existing qualified people, i.e. fit testers and PPE people within the hospital, we have to comfort them that their role or their career path isn't at stake for taking this role. They'll continue to be developed. They'll continue to become more senior or more skilled during that time as opposed to just sidestepping for 12 months for a contract role and then having to go back and start again. I think there's there's some discomfort there because it's all new for everybody. So if we can provide more comfort for their, for them, I think that's a positive thing and will help. The only thing I'd add really is just, as we've talked about trying different things, I think if you've got any capacity to track um, and get any tangible data around what works and what doesn't, that'll obviously help you determine whether it's, it's, it's actually a viable option moving forward and if it's something you want to scale out. Um, if you're just doing it blindly, it's just very, very difficult to get a read on what's working and what isn't. All right. And actually touch on something there, Kyle, that development piece. And that, again, that was a big thing in future of work and skill shortages. So I think you're right. Like that, that, that development piece with the, the staff you've got at the moment is a really key point as well. The only burning thing in my mind, and it's, I, it kind of is relevant to our broader discussion, but it's just around, um, you know, through COVID, Healthcare saw almost 50% of the top 20 roles were the most resilient. They were, that was in healthcare. And I know it's hard when you think about how can we attract these candidates to healthcare? How can we attract them to aged care? But just taking some, not comforting, but just thinking about how you can leverage that this is a really resilient industry and it's proven itself over the last 12 months to be really resilient and offer um, you know, almost maybe you can't offer a you can only offer a contract role, but in the sense of the industry, it's there's longevity there and there is career development there. So, just thinking of how you can position that within your content, within your conversations with candidates, that's that's where I'm at as the last burning point from me. Yeah, love it, love it, Steph. I think you're you, again, you're bang on with the um, the job security is, is got a key and health's got that in spades. So. Yeah, play to your strengths in a way. So, uh, yeah, great point. Um, but that's it for today. Um, I hope you've uh, enjoyed it and I hope you've gained some, some insight out of our discussion. Uh, as always, please, um, you know, if we've missed something or completely stuffed something up, please yell out and let us know. We're, uh, we we want to learn and get better. But uh, thanks for your time today. And, um, yeah, goodbye until next time. Bye, healthy people. <laughs>